0: welcome to the hearts entwined podcast in this podcast we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. relationship expert, Welcome to trainer, the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, technique. Lynn Smith, Lynn's the Queen of Hearts. To a and today I've got a really divorce, exciting special guest because this is the sort of guest I've never had on my show before or interviewed. And this is a wonderful man, believe it or not, who is named Amari Ice, but he is called the Prince of Hearts, believe it or not. So what a coincidence. And our Prince of Hearts is actually a matchmaker for the gay community. So this is going to be a really interesting, different type of conversation for me to have today. So welcome, Amari.
1: Thank you, Lynn. Thanks for having me.
0: And whereabouts are you based in the
1: world? I am in the United States in Washington, D.C.
0: Wow, excellent. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your backstory? Because we had a lovely, interesting chat off air before we got going live. And I'd love the audience to get a feel for a little bit about you and your backstory and what has actually led to you being who you are and, and what you're doing in the industry today.
1: Sure, sure. So when I was five or six years old, I knew that I was gay, and I actually didn't come out to my mom until later. So here's what actually happened with that. Um, if you are familiar with Jerry Springer, he had a show on TV. I think he might still have a show actually where he brings guests on and he talk about all kinds of different things, and it's a lot of drama, right? Great for entertainment value. But I happened to come home from kindergarten, and my mom asked what happened at school today. And this was the day that I actually had a crush on a boy in my class. But before this incident, I didn't know any like context or any reason not to share this with my mom, except for the fact that at the very moment I was gonna say that I had a crush on a guy, on the Jerry Springer show, there was a gay couple who kissed and the crowd kind of went wild. And my mom, I could, she didn't say anything, but I could see her face wasn't really like comfortable. So in that moment, I realized that I probably shouldn't tell her about the crush that I have on the guy in my class. So it wasn't until I was 12 that I actually told my mom that I was gay and she didn't believe me the first time. So funny story, I go into her room and I'm like, hey, mom, I have something to tell you. And she's like, OK, what? And I say, I'm gay. My mom's response. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Me. Okay. And I walk out. <laughs> like, that was the whole story. <laughs> so then again, at 14, um, I told her and that's when she actually believed me. So um, growing up, like I was really, really close to my family, like my mom, my stepdad, my biological father wasn't in my life, but my stepdad and I were really, really close. And my grandparents, like everybody was really awesome. But even though I had all of that love from my family, I still kind of felt like a little void from not having my biological father in my life. Like I always kind of wondered, you know, why wouldn't he want me? Like I'm this great kid. I made awesome grades. I was really nice. Like everybody really enjoyed when I was around, but for whatever reason, from my perspective, I wasn't good enough for my dad. Right. So I go to college. Um, I was actually a dance major at first loved mm-hmm. to dance. And then I changed it to psychology And I originally wanted to be a therapist, Um, but in class, (laughs) I learned really, really quickly that my temperament wasn't set up to wait for long results. Like, you know, I grew up in the microwave age, so I kind of wanted to help people a lot faster than therapy often can. Not that it doesn't or that people don't get quick results, but, you know, you could have someone on your couch for like, 20 years, and that just felt like way too long for me as a
0: 20-year-old. <laughs> Absolutely, yes.
1: <laughs> so it taught me immediately that coaching was actually a better fit for me. And so I ended up switching my major to communications instead, which communications and psychology are both the foundation of relationships. And that I've always been fascinated with relationships with personality psychology, which actually happens to be my favorite subject in the world. So um, fast forward to graduation, I ended up getting a job working in the LGBT community, doing empowerment, so I was coaching I was doing community events like the whole bit to really make a difference in the LGBT community and during this whole time, of course, I was dating, I was trying to figure life out, like as a young adult, and my relationships just weren't really going anywhere. Like, I I call it my expiration date, which was three months. So I get to three months with someone and wouldn't get any further. (laughs) That was just kind of (laughs) the the ledge, if you will. So I asked myself, you know, so many people come to me for help with all kinds of things, especially relationships, like I'm already coaching. So if I were to coach someone who was single and struggling in relationships, which I do, what would I tell them? What process would I give them step by step to go from being without the love that they want to being in a long-term committed, happy, healthy relationship? And so I actually wrote down a process and you know, built it upon all the knowledge that I had from communications and psychology and created the prototype of what is now known as my relationship process. So I followed that and great news. I ended up meeting a partner who I was with for three years. So I totally figured out the expiration date. Um, but since it was the prototype, there were still some other things I didn't know. I was only like 25 or 26 at the time, right? Still learning and growing. So while I was in that relationship, I ended up getting certified as a relationship coach, as a matchmaker um, and, and really learning all the things that I needed to know and we ended up transforming our relationship into just a friendship because he didn't really want to live a really big public life. Right. So like I was in the public eye a lot and I'm doing that now. Um, you know, the book's out, it's all in stores. I'm a bestselling author, all the things. So it was a lot of publicity and stuff. And if you can imagine being gay and not necessarily even being totally out to your family or anything like that. Like being in the public eye is a big deal. So, you know, we transitioned to just being friends, but of course, no, no issue there. Just followed the process. And now I'm in a brand new, healthy, happy relationship. We're going on our first year. So that's the backstory, the full story. Um, ultimately, you know, we think that love is a fairy tale, that it's supposed to magically happen. And we're supposed to figure it out while we're in the relationship through osmosis as if, you know, it's something that you just ultimately just dawns on you one day, like how to have a great relationship. (laughs) That's not how it works, right? Like love isn't a fairy tale. What I always say is that it's actually a video game. And the number one reason you're single or will soon be single again is because you're trying to have a level 25 relationship with level three skills. So I help gay men develop the skills necessary to find and keep love.
0: That's fantastic. So can you give us a few tips that you've got in your gay guide to attracting the relationship of your dreams?
1: For sure. Um, If I gave you three tips to really be successful, number one is to get clear on what your goals and needs are, right? Like what are your relationship goals? Where do you want to take Your partnership if you don't know where you're going it's the equivalent of getting into a car and saying oh I want to go to relationship mountain but you don't put any address in your GPS guess how fast you're gonna get there not (laughs) very the GPS can take you but it can only take you if you know where you want to go so get clear on your goals and secondly get clear on what you need from a partner to be happy most people know what they want right a specific hair color or height or any other thing like that, body type. It's usually the physical stuff that we're really clear about. But those are just preferences. Those are just desires. The things that you need that'll actually make a difference in terms of you being happy long- long-term are gonna be you know, similar values and other personality traits that are gonna make you feel comfortable, feel valued over time. And so if you don't know what you need, you can't tell if the person you're on the date with has those needs, which means you'll let in lots of people who are not a great fit for you, and then you'll weed out lots of people who are a great fit just because you aren't clear, right? Clarity is the only thing that breeds clarity. You can't be confused and expect to automatically get clear. Like, it just doesn't work like that. So that's the first thing, get clear on what your needs and desires are. The second thing is Yes, there are specific things you can do like strategies and tactics. You can get on, you know, a dating app or say this thing to get someone to say yes to go on a date with you. But like I said before, it's the skills, right? You gotta have those skills. Beyond just the skills, 20% of your relationship success is about your strategy, your tactics. The other 80% is about your mindset. Okay. So you have to look at what you believe about relationships. Do you believe that love is hard? Do you believe that you're not good enough? Do you believe that no one will want you because you don't have the right body type or because, I don't know, because you're HIV positive or something like that? Like, what are the beliefs you have around why you don't have love? If any of your beliefs don't equal a happy relationship, They are in your way. They're actually keeping you from that relationship. And most of us have a hard time getting through, you know, sabotaging beliefs on our own. And so the second thing I would recommend to you is that you get help if you are struggling to do this by yourself, right? Like, just like we do in our careers, we will invest a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy into learning the skills, working with mentors, working with coaches, taking courses to get better at our professional lives, at our professional skills, but we don't do the same thing in our relationships. And that's the reason why most people's career will be better than their relationships, right? You have to invest in developing those skills, the mindset that you need to have a happy, healthy relationship. And then the third thing I would say is take pleasure in the dating process. So many people hate to go on dates right? They hate to have to meet people. They don't really want to show up. Like It's just a drag. But the seeds you... Actually, I'll say this a different way. The soil you plant a seed in determines how that seed grows. And so if you are frustrated and disappointed and jaded and you know just not having a good time in the dating process why do you think you're going to end up in a happy relationship it doesn't work that way so instead go into it with the mindset that even if this person that I'm going on a date with doesn't end up being the right person. I can still go to a new restaurant that I've never been to or experience a new activity that I've never done. So something great still comes out of it. And maybe this person will become a friend or an acquaintance or a business connection or a perfect partner for someone else I know. And you can pay it forward in that way to add to your own relationship karma. So take pleasure in the dating process. Yeah.
0: You can learn a lot, can't you, from um, developing dating skills, even if yeah. like you say you're not interested in that person in a romantic sense at the end of it.
1: Absolutely. It's like practice, right? Practice makes permanent. If you get really good at dating, guess what? It's inevitable that you will find the love of your life.
0: One thing I'd really love to ask you, Amari, is because um, I teach as a process around masculine and feminine energy and it doesn't matter you know what gender you are you know that is my thing that I teach and um, I just wondered whether it would resonate with LGBT Q
1: <laughs> community
0: <laughs> or, or not you know and and what your take would be because what I learned on my journey was that um we all well this is my take from um being in a heterosexual relationship, you know, uh, so I don't know whether, as I say, this will resonate or not, but I would be interested to know that we all have masculine and feminine energy, regardless of your gender, but we all have one that's more naturally dominant. So it doesn't matter what your gender is. Usually in opposite sex relationships, it's the woman that's got the more dominant feminine energy and the the man that's got the more dominant masculine energy. It's not always the case, but usually in opposite-sex type relationships. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is for you to have, um, or for us in the heterosexual world, for for us to have really passionate, healthy, fulfilling relationships, there has to be the polarization of energies. So um, the way I describe it is if you can um, envisage a heart rate monitor and you have the masculine energy, say, is a line at the top of the heart rate monitor and the feminine energy is the line at the bottom of the heart rate monitor. And you notice the pulse going up and down the heart rate monitor between the energies is, is very vibrant because there's polarization between the energies.
1: Uh, then, yes.
0: So you know that relationship is alive because the, the, there's polarization there. Well, I think we've been educated more and more to do, especially women um, uh, who are, you know have been educated over the the last few decades to be aspiring to be more like men in order to succeed in the workplace. I think we've been you know encouraged and parented and educated to be more masculine in our environment, plus we tend to live in masculine energy if we've been hurt or heartbroken or been through any trauma because we want to protect ourselves. And so um, what happens is that, you know, we're, we're being educated around this stuff, you know, in, in the name of equality, which I say, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what equality means, because to me, equality means equal opportunity. It doesn't mean being the same as a man. So in the name of equality, we've been, you know, encouraged to be more gender neutral. And I think what's happened is in in, in that misunderstanding that, that's occurred over time is that our energies have become less polarized in our relationship. So in other words, when I was with my ex-husband, our our energies were very similar. So there wasn't such a pulse between the masculine and feminine energies. In other words, wasn't much polarization. So therefore, we had more of a a friendship type relationship because our relationship was very, you know, uh, and our energies were very similar until it got to the point where, you know, Our energies were so similar that the line was flatlining in the middle, (laughs) and you know, at that point, you can more or less say the relationships might as well be dead. So I just wondered Mm. if you could relate to that in any way in your experience within the gay community.
1: Absolutely, Um, I, I totally agree with your point around you know all of us having masculine and feminine energy. Right, it's it's a spectrum for sure, and. I, I find that people do best when there is balance, but what that balance looks like is different for everyone, right? So here's um, an example of that. One of my really, really, really um, favorite books is by a mentor of mine, um, Helen Fisher. So she's a neuroscientist in the study, like the brain on love. And what she found is that there are essentially four, well, really five, but four main um, categories of brain chemicals that really dictate what we look for in relationships and kind of create that polarity that you were speaking of earlier. So you have... Um, four brain chemicals. So there's dopamine, there's serotonin, there's estrogen, and there's testosterone, right? And so most people are familiar with testosterone and estrogen, and we tend to relate those two solely to the masculine and feminine energies that we experience, right? Yeah. So people are very familiar with that, but those are only two of the types, and Dr. Fisher calls them. Um, Directors and negotiators. So, if you're dominant in testosterone, you're a director. You're very concise to the point. You're competitive, like all of those types of things that we traditionally associate with masculine energy. Yes. And then you're a negotiator, you're most dominant in estrogen and oxytocin. And so you're going to be much more of a communicator, much more in touch with your feelings and emotions, um, much more communal and social by nature, right? And so directors and negotiators actually tend to go for each other. But there are two other types. There are also builders, which are ruled by serotonin and Um, explorers which are ruled by dopamine so builders are people who are very um, traditional and are very uh, conservative and consistent and like peace and stability they're like the pillars of our society that uphold the traditions that we create right so builders really want to create stability that's like their biggest value and builders actually tend to be attracted most and fit most with other builders Right. So there's no opposite attract for the builders. Same thing with explorers. Explorers with dopamine are very adventurous and playful and they are enthusiastic. Right. Like they like to have fun. They like new novel experiences. And so they're always on the go. They're big balls of energy, essentially. And explorers are best with other explorers. Now, we all have a dominant type, one of the four, regardless of our sex or gender. And then we all have a secondary type, right? So if you are dominant in the first two, if you're a director or a negotiator, you're going to go for your opposite. If you are a builder or an explorer, you go for the same. So in other words, we already always ask the question, do opposites attract Or do birds with a feather flock together? And what science shows is that it's both, but it depends on what your specific type is. So one book I recommend for everybody is called Why Him, Why Her," And it really goes through the neuroscience of why we're attracted to the people we're attracted to and why you might think that you need or want someone who's more masculine or feminine, but you might actually need something else altogether. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. but Interesting, I've not heard of that before. But another thing I teach within the the polarization is that, you know, that sometimes that polarization in a relationship isn't always healthy because even in toxic relationships, you can have that polarization of energies. But, you know, if it it comes from a place of fear, then you're going to get the masculine energy, who's the aggressive, you know, um, possessive, controlling type personality and the feminine energy. She's the submissive you know more needy desperate victim type energy in that relationship and then you've got the the toxic unhealthy relationship within that polarization still so mm. i say that you know that on the other side of the coin you know that that if you are going to create polarization in your relationship because you feel that's missing it has to come from a healthy place of love you know and if it's from a healthy place then you then you do experience that healthy passion that healthy intimacy, that healthy, deep love. And you you really do have the masculine then who's the, the chivalrous one, you know, that's going to take care of you, that's going to protect you and treat you like a goddess. And you've got her, the feminine who's going to be nurturing, caring, sensual and compassionate within the dynamic, you know, from that place of love.
1: Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, one of the other things that I notice a lot around who we're attracted to like the statement i'm not sure if they say this in the uk or in spain but um being equally yoked are you familiar with that statement no so essentially it's like you need to be an equal partner to the partner that you attract in order for it to work right and so people in the States will often say that the reason that a relationship didn't work out is because the two people in it weren't equally yoked, like an egg yolk, right? right. <laughs> it wasn't the same amount of yolk in each of the eggs. But what happens, what, what's really going on is anyone that you allow into your life, you were on the same wavelength with at that point in your life. You were equally yoked with that person then. So in other words, if you get into a toxic relationship, we often tend to like blame other people for the things that we go through. But anything that is in your life, essentially, you've created it when it comes to being in a relationship with someone. You chose the person, you chose the situation. And in that instance, that's what you were ready for. That's what you were open to. And so as we grow and evolve, as we elevate our own frequencies, we also elevate the frequency and the quality of the partners that we attract. So this also goes back to the whole, you know, video game analogy of going from a level three to level 25. But as you up level, as you level up your love life and your skills, you automatically level up your relationships. So, you know, it's I don't think I can drive that point home enough. Like it really doesn't matter who you are or what you need. If you are leveling up, if you're growing, if you're evolving, if you're taking control of making sure you are the best lover you can be, you will find the best lover for you.
0: Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. Because what I have found with a lot of women that I work with, because predominantly, um, you know, it is women that tend to, and I I don't know whether you find this, Within the um gay community, but whether it's the feminine energy that's more likely to seek self help <laughs> than the masculine energy you know that his traits are normally that oh, I'll sort this out for myself you know type <laughs> typical trait as a generalization, so I tend to attract more women, but the thing is it doesn't matter you know if I only work with one person or one side of a relationship if they're already in a relationship because the skills that I can teach them will Have a positive knock on effect to any future partner that they attract, or any future or any current partner, I should say, that they're currently in a relationship with.
1: Yeah, I um see it this way when we say we want love, the thing that we have to do most that most people aren't doing is be receptive, right? Which is a feminine trait, and what I mean by that is every single person I've ever met, like I and and, and I will totally be transparent that I've only been in my career for like a decade. Okay. (laughs) So I haven't met all the people there are, but I've literally never met anyone whose problem with love was that they didn't know how to love someone else. Right. We all know how to give someone love. The problem is letting ourselves receive love. Right. So many people have Blocks that don't let other people in, whether they're trust issues or issues of confidence or, you know, just not knowing what we want. And so not letting anybody come in until we get clear. Right. Or not opening up to love until we have a better job or we live in a better place. We always think we have to. Do something else before we can have this thing, right? We kind of procrastinate under the guise of productivity. But ultimately, you have to be open to it. You have to be receptive to it or it cannot come in. I and agree. That's also if you're masculine, feminine, a man, or woman, straight, gay, or otherwise, Like none of that is as important to your receptivity to the thing that you say you want. So if you want love, be open to love. Let it in.
0: I think a lot of women, especially if they have been previously through any trauma or heartbreak, um, naturally default into the masculine energy. And that is like, you know, for me, definitely, and a lot of women I work with can relate was was literally like wearing a suit of armor, a suit of masculine armor. And my heart wasn't open, you know, and and, um, you know, it took me a long time to sort of figure that out and, and realize, you know what? it's time it's time to take the armor off try time to open my heart and and like you just said be receptive to the love that 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 you want and and yeah. are desperately craving
1: and i can say that that was a lot of my issue too like around the masculinity thing like the the masculine energy is what makes us plan and then go after and try to conquer right so consequences of too much masculine energy is we push things too fast or too hard, right? Yes. Or we'll get in relationships and try to make them speed up. We try to make someone commit really, really fast before we've done enough of laying the foundation, right? So when we are pushing or, you know, pressing, we're creating pressure literally. And that is the reasons. The reason that our relationships will break, especially in the early dating phase, like we're creating too much pressure. But it's also true once we're in a committed relationship, if you put too much pressure on it, it will break. I right? agree. So
0: I call it if you persist, <laughs> the other person will resist.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. And so for me, like the biggest thing was learning to pay attention to my own energy. Like we can say that you just chill out, like let it happen when it happens, but it's not really that it's recognizing when you are pressing the gas and the brake at the same time, right? Mm Because it's our, our own resistance that's really causing us to put pressure on the other person in the first place. If you want to get married and you're with someone who you think is marriage material, but you are afraid that they won't marry you, that's why you put the pressure on. But if you weren't afraid at all, you would just be at peace knowing, hey, like this is a great person. I want to get married. One day I think I want to marry them. Hey, let's see. Let's see. Let's go, right? Let's let's float toward the destination. But when you fear that you're not going to get it, that's when you try to push it too fast and you end up breaking
0: it. Yeah, I think again, it comes to that, you know love versus fear you know and being aware you know are your thoughts coming from a place of lack loss fear hurt heartbreak trauma you know and you you carrying that baggage with you into your next relationship and so you're attracting the same person again but they're just in a different human form
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely the reason that you keep attracting the same type of partner isn't because that's the only person that's out there. Like you actually take yourself wherever you go. Yes. You're the magnet. And so if you want to attract something different, you have to change the polarity of the magnet.
0: Mm. You certainly do. And for me, you know, that, that took a long time to sort of experience, research and realize uh, and, and then get comfortable with uh, uh, the situation of, Mm, you know what? I, I've attracted all that and created all that, and even though those experiences were negative, um, it, it's not beating yourself up. You know, it's just thinking, okay, I just need to take the learning from this.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that was huge for me because you know, being a high achiever in school and getting really good grades, you always want to get things right, right. And I think a lot of us struggle with wanting to be perfect and wanting to only do the thing that's going to get the result. And so in doing that, we just try too hard, but love is abundant. And so instead of trying so hard to get it, how about give it to yourself first? Like, Just let yourself have it from yourself. I think that's the biggest place to start. And when you really start to feel that feeling you want someone else to give you, that is often the moment you find it in someone else.
0: Excellent. I, I think that's been affirmed a lot over the episodes with no matter who I've spoken to or whether I spoke about the subject, um, you know, in individual podcasts when I've been uh, giving and discussing tips is that it, it all starts with you and giving it to yourself first. And yeah. then when you attract somebody that is like, the cherry on the top of the cake
1: right of <laughs> like a good you just great become cake. The consequence yeah you you attract someone the uh, the partner is kind of like the consequence right mm-hmm. the the cause is you giving yourself love and letting yourself have it the effect is the lover absolutely
0: well on that note um i'm noticing that we're coming to the end of our episode so amari I'd like to thank you very much, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been so different for me to speak to somebody from the LGBTQ community. <laughs> Seeing I'm all the letters of the alphabet within that community, I think. Um, if people listening to this would like to get in touch with you, what what is the best contact information? I'll make sure it's put in the show notes anyway, but uh, for the listeners listening right now, what would be the best contact information to get hold of you?
1: Sure. And it's been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, The best way to get in contact with me, actually, all of your listeners, I have a free gift. Um, Each and every one of you can get a free copy of my international bestseller, Lasting Love at Last, The Gay Guide to Attracting the Relationship of Your Dreams. And the process inside of that actually works for any type of relationship. So, whether you're straight, gay, or otherwise, this book will be useful. Um, you can get a copy of it at lastingloveatlast.com. That's, That's lastingloveatlast.com. Yep.
0: Okay. Lastingloveatlast.com. And that is a fantastic free digital copy of Amari's best selling book. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. That that's a very lovely gift to uh, give our audience. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. You know, my goal is to change the world through love, and I know that so many people don't have the information that we as professionals in the love industry have, right? And so I want to be able to empower as many people as possible. So it's really an honor to be able to share this. So thank you.
0: Thank you. And I'd, I'd love if you've got any other tips or special areas of expertise to have you on again and invite you to have another conversation with me in the near future, Amari.
1: Oh, for sure. I'm totally down. It's a hell yes for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, on that note, I'll uh, close the episode. Thank you, listeners, for listening. My gratitude to Amari for coming on and and having a fascinating discussion and conversation with me today. And remember, true love starts with opening our hearts. Until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email Lynn at hearts-entwined.com that's l-y-n at hearts-entwined.com remember true love starts
1: with opening our hearts